and welcome. Thank you so much for joining me today. In today's episode, I am reading Neville Goddard's lecture from 1965 titled The Kabbalah. This past Wednesday, I had occasion to go to an old Bible of mine, and there I found two letters of my friend, Old Abdullah. I had long forgotten them, for they were given to me back in 1930 or 31. They are now molding and falling apart. They were simply instructions on the Kabbalah, and the first portion of them would not interest you because it's all very technical in Hebrew, but there are other portions of it that I know will interest you. And this is what he said in one. Creatures are never guilty of the seeming wrongs they do. The Lord ordained all deeds, and he alone performs all that is performed. That's what it starts with. He accuses no one of evil, for all have fulfilled his command and performed his service. If there is evil, I, the Lord alone, am evil. Isaiah 45, 7. When you first read it, on a certain level of awareness, you are startled. It's in conflict with everything that you hold dear. But he doesn't stop there. He takes a very small little passage of the book of John, the fourth chapter of John. It's a conversation between Jesus and the, wom the woman of Samaria. And he said to her, Woman, believe me, the hour is coming when you will neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem worship the Father. You worship what you do not know. We worship what we know, for salvation is from the Jews. Verse 21. And then he stops there. When you read it, you wonder what it is all about. Now listen to this grand old man's interpretation of it. Yehuda, he translates, Yehuda as Jew, we anglicize the word Yehuda and call it Judah. Judah is spelled just as you would spell the Lord's name, yad heh vah only you insert a Dalet, the letter D, into the word. And Judah was the fourth son of Jacob. In all list of the sons of Jacob, he is given the position of four. In the genealogy of Jesus, that is, the one given us in the book of Matthew, he is the fourth. Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Judah, and his brothers. <clears throat> he's the fourth one mentioned, and yet he's the fourth of the twelve. In the New Testament, he is the first in rank of those who are sealed. And as told us in the seventh chapter of Revelation, verse 5, here he is sealed, the first one to be sealed among those who are forever the redeemed. And this is what the word Yehuda means. Salvation is from the Jews. And you wonder, what does it mean? A Jew born after the flesh of Abraham? No, the Jew born after the faith of Abraham that brings itself to the point where it culminate, where it is culminated in the promise fulfilled, the promise made to Abraham, the promise of the child, Genesis seventeen, fifteen, and eighteen fourteen. And these are the old, the promise made to Abraham, the promise of the child, Genesis seventeen, fifteen, and eighteen fourteen. And these are the old man's words. He goes back and he quotes. You worship what you do not know, and then he translated, translates it in this manner. You serve, you are blind to that which you serve. You do not know why you serve, but you serve. We know what we serve, we know what we worship. 
We are the beholders of the eternal principle. We are the knowers of the little child. Yehuda stands for the presence of his praise. The center of his presence is the mouth or king. The king is the little child. All heaven obeys the little child, and all earth is compelled to manifest that which the heavens obey, and they obey only the voice of the little child. You must always forever think of the uh, Christos as the little child. Or as, okay, I think it's spelled wrong. It's, uh, you must forever, or you must always forever think of the Christ as the little child. These are Ab's words. I'd long forgotten that letter. I've had it now, say, 34 years in an old Bible that I rarely have occasion to refer to. Then you go back and you read the 8th chapter of the book of Proverbs and start at the 22nd verse and go through, say, to the 31st. The Lord created me at the beginning of his way, the first of his acts of old. Ages ago I was set up at the first before he brought forth the earth. When he laid the foundations of the earth, I was beside him as a little child. I was daily his delight, rejoicing before him always, rejoicing in his inhabited world and delighting in the sons of man. He who finds me finds life. He who misses me injures himself. He who hates me loves death. Now here is a personification of wisdom. The Hebrews took all abstract ideas and principles and personified them. So the first creation of God was wisdom, the first emanation. Or emanation. The verb created me can also be translated and possibly has a far greater claim to the new definition of it rather than the old one possessed me. The King James Version said, The Lord possessed me at the beginning of his way. The Revised Standard Version said, The Lord created me. But both are correct from this Hebrew verb. You can't separate God's creative power and his wisdom from himself, but it's personified as a little child. Now he said, he delights. Well, he delights. If you read both the King James Version and the Revised Standard Version, you would think that a little child was a source of delight. Not so in the Hebrew text. In the Hebrew text, this he delights means that wisdom is the one who experiences the emotion of delight. The creative power is experiencing the emotion of delight. It's all coming out of the Lord, and the Lord is defined for us as I am. That's the source. But his creative power and his wisdom is that which experiences the emotion of delight. It is a little child. So Ab said, Always think of the Christ as a little child. And we who are called Yehuda, we the Jews, said he, not by the accident of birth of the flesh, but by the faith of Abraham. Those who heard the promise, regardless of their racial background, those who heard it and remained faithful to it, and came forward in faith to all the horrors of the world, no condemnation, they were only God's will and came to the point where it was a little child which was promised. We are now the knowers of the little child. Everyone who is a knower of the little child, everyone, is numbered among those called salvation from the Jews. 
Everyone comes into that state because they know the little child. As Blake said, the dead heard the voice of the child and began to awake from sleep. All things heard the voice of the child and began to awake to life. The voice of the child? Yes, he is the very breath, as told us in Ecclesiastes 3.19. He is the breath of God, and the breath of God makes man alive. Let him remove his breath from man, and man dies. But what is the breath? It's called breath. Breath is the wind. And the wind and spirit are the same word in Hebrew, but the primary meaning of the word ruach is really wind. So when they find the child once said, I didn't hear a voice, but you heard the wind, didn't you? Well, that was the voice of the child. That was the voice of the child calling the dead from that eternal sleep. So if you heard the wind, you began to awake, and you awoke from what really was the sleep of death. And eventually all will hear the wind, which is the voice of the child, and all will awake to life. Every word I told you is true. You've been promised a child. You're going to get that child. After you get the child which is born to you, another one is coming. That's something entirely different. And a son is given. These are the words. Unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given. Isaiah 9, 6. Not the same, or not the same thing. The child is born, and you hold the child in your own hands. The child is born, a sign of your birth. It's all about a birth. But the next one isn't born. That was begotten of God and given to you when God decided to give himself it, or give him, give you himself. It is God's purpose to give man himself, as and give, given to you when God decided to give you himself. It is God's purpose to give man himself, as though there were no other in the world, just God and you. And to prove that he succeeded in his purpose, which was to give you himself, if God is a father, then he has a child. If he gave you himself, then you are the father of that child. So the second part of this statement from the ninth chapter of Isaiah, unto us a son is given. First, a child is born. That comes first. Because he can't give you his son on this level, the son is spirit. He can't give it to flesh and blood, for flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God. 1 Corinthians fifteen fifty. To inherit the kingdom of God, as God, you must be God the Father. Kingdom of God, 1 Corinthians 15, 50. To inherit the kingdom of God, as God, you must be God the Father. And there's no way of knowing that you are God the Father unless you are also the Father of his Son. So unto us a child is born to signify our birth in the land of spirit. And to us is given a son. The child is born because it signifies our birth in heaven. In the world of spirit, and then comes the gift, a son is given. And that son is David. Thou art my son, today I have begotten thee. Psalms 2.7 This is the Lord speaking to a spiritual state called David. Then David comes as a gift. He gives you himself, and in giving you himself, David has to appear in your world and call you father. If he doesn't call you father, and it's any other relationship, God did not give you himself, for God is the father of David. 
Thou art my son, today I have begotten thee. So David comes into the world, your world individually, and calls you father. Everyone in this world is going to have that experience. Then you will know the fatherhood of God and the brotherhood of man. For if you are the father of my son, then you and I are one. If I am the father of your son, and your son is the same son that is my son, then who could deny the oneness of the two of us? The only way in the world that you'd ever know the oneness of God is through his son. So when I found this old paper falling apart, undoubtedly it was written on a very cheap piece of paper, all typed and all broken up like this, handled it very gently. It's been 11 years, and here he analyzes this wonderful, simple thing. But now I can understand it better, having experienced in this last 30-odd years since he gave it to me. So what is he saying? <clears throat> that the creatures are not blamed for any seeming wrong that they commit. What does he mean by it? When he gave it to me, I didn't have the experience, but now I know. If you came into a place like this, but now it's more animated than it is now, suppose they were dining or dancing, walking around, and all animated, and while you came in, invis came in invisible to them, for you came in spirit, you are awake. As you come into the place, you know that this animated world is animated only because of you, this whole vast moving world, you are moving it. And to prove that you are moving it, you arrest an activity in yourself. And at that very moment that you arrested in yourself, everything freezes. But everything freezes. You observe them, you go over, and you simply look at them closely. And they're dead, all dead. Then you release it in yourself, and they become once more animated and continue to, fill, to fulfill their intentions. Suppose you could change the intention, for it can't, comes from above. They're only fulfilling your service. They're all under compulsion. Now you know what the mouth of God is, for he spoke, and the mouth is a little child, the mouth, or the king, and the king is the little child, the breath of God. And you know exactly what you did. You arrested an activity in your own being, and that arrestment was the taking back of your breath and they died. How could you condemn any man in this world for what he's doing when you are animating it all? You set the whole thing in motion when you are in spirit. While you are here in the flesh, you too are subjected to your own command from above. So, if you come into the world to tell the story of your eternal principle, you are subjected to the, to the same thing that you from above subject the whole world. That's the price you pay for the expansion of your own creative power. There's only God in the world, nothing but God. God is playing all the parts, there's nothing but God. He plays the wise man's part and the fool, the lover, and the one who hates. Now let us go back. He who finds me finds life. How to stop it and start it. He who misses me injures himself. He continues in the wheel, and he's hungry, and he hasn't quite satisfied the hunger to find him. He who hates me loves death. Look at the whole vast world, and you can't condemn them. They don't know of the little child. They don't know of the creative power of God called Christ. And they are in love with the world. 
They want to extend this little thing. They're in pain another day, another month, another year. They have two homes. They want four to feel more secure. They have a dozen suits. They want two to feel better dressed than the other. They go through life wanting more of death. For this world is done and people don't know it. I know it. I have seen it. I stopped it. I stopped it and started it at sections. And I've done it more than once, so it was not a mistake the first time. So I know what he means by he who finds me finds life. So the creative power of God is personified as a little child. Paul speaks of the creative power of God as Christ Jesus in the first chapter, the 24th verse of 1 Corinthians. And to those who are called, both you and Greek, Jesus Christ, the power and the wisdom of God, so the power of God is personified as Jesus Christ. But always think of Jesus Christ as a little child, always a little child who always delighted in the presence of his father, and he was the one who always experienced the emotion of delight. The creative power experiences that. He's not the source of it. He's the one who experiences the emotion of delight. When one comes to this realization and finds a little child signifying his own birth from above, therefore he finds a son that is given. And then the son that is given reveals to him who he is, and he breaks the wheel of death. For this is a mystery of life through death. Unless the seed falls into the ground and dies, it remains alone. But if it dies, it brings forth much. John twelve twenty four. So God became man in his creative power that man may become God. Philippians 2, 7. So all the commands are by God to God. Man, as we see him in this world, is part of the eternal structure of the universe. This thing called Neville, at all of its phases from the time it appeared on the scene until that moment in time when it vanishes and ceases to be, to those who are left at that moment in time, has never passed away, and it was not really brought into being. It was always a part of the structure of the universe. I am animating it as we are animating with the creative power, animating all of this in this world. <clears throat> I will leave it forever. It will still be part of the structure of the universe, and unless animated, it remains dead in its every little aspect. The babe that nursed the mother... The little one reluctantly on his way to school, the little boy trying to find his way in life, the man, all of that, are simply garments that you animate. And the day will come, you and I, having gone through all of the furnaces, experiencing <clears throat> excuse me, this creative power that is God, will awake, and we are the creative power of God, and one with God. Then we can say, we are Yehuda. We've been saved We've been salvaged from the world of death. Suddenly we all awaken, and God and his Son, the creative power of himself, are one. Then a new venture, a new play with the same characters, for they remain part of the eternal structure of the universe. We conceive an entirely different drama. Now tonight, if you went to a play and you saw the actors, would you condemn them for the parts they play? If there's any condemnation... Is it not to be given to the author? Well, the author conceived the play. The author is God. And there was no one to animate the characters but God. And he had, and he had to actually pass through the experiences that he conceived. Mm -hmm. But all these things were dead. 
Believe me, I have seen them, Dad, but everything. And the day will come that everything we are, that we in our world have discovered concerning the great scientific discoveries of the world will not be so. <clears throat> not a thing will be as we now see it. Gravity, well, every child who goes to school has been taught what we believe gravity to be. There isn't a child in the world, and they prove how true it is by not jumping off the top of the building. We know we're going to fall to the floor. And yet, having arrested an activity within myself which made everything stand still, things that should fall didn't fall. A bird in flight didn't fall, it remained there stationary in space because in me it was arrested. So where is gravity? And tomorrow we'll change all that today we've discovered or think we've discovered and rearrange the place so completely we can then take our creative power and with a re rearrangement of the play, using the same characters, play a far greater play to expand beyond what we have expanded our creative power. And that is Jesus Christ. So when he said, we are Yehuda, the knowers of the little child, we are the beholders of the eternal principle. So we are Yehuda. And you worship what you do not know, because you do not know what you serve and why you serve, but you serve. Man plays all these parts, and he doesn't know why he's doing uh, what he's doing. <clears throat> he knows he started in the world by the actions of a power not his own. He was born physically, certainly, by the actions of powers not his own, and he finds himself in a family. He doesn't know why. He finds himself moving through the world. He doesn't know why. And all are serving this compulsion from above, which is spoken into being by the little child who is delighting in these experiences. We are one day born above. We'll hold the little child, the symbol of it, when we enter that creative world and start the whole thing. And we give the spoken word until every power can be ex exercised that is God and redeemed. <clears throat> for he's only redeeming himself, leaving man just where he is as part of the eternal structure of the world. So in the end, nothing is condemned. Forgive them, Father, for they know not what they do. Luke twenty two thirty four. They don't know. So the words at the end of the trial, do you not know that I have power to crucify you and power to release you? He said, you have no power over me were it not given to you from above, John 19.10. A man dares to say to Caesar's representative that you have no power over me. He knew exactly what he was talking about. For this one said to the Samaritan, We know what we worship. You do not know what you worship. Caesar thought he knew, and Caesar's arm, Pilate, thought he had the power either to release him or to crucify him. And he told him, you have no power either to release me or to crucify me, were it not given to you from above. Therefore, he who delivered me into your hands, he has the greater sin, if it be sin. Because no one, because no one does it, it's all a play. We stepped upon the stage while rehearsed to play the parts we're playing. To exercise this creative power that is personified in scripture as Jesus Christ. We were told it all before we started. In that lovely poem, The New House, Now first as I shut the door, I was alone in the new house, and the wind began to moan. 
old at once was the house and i was old my ears were teased with the dread of what was foretold nights of storm days of mist without end sad days when the sun shone in vain old griefs and griefs not yet begun all was foretold me naught could i foresee but i learn how the wind would sound after these things should be that's edward thomas after the whole thing is over you know the sound of that child the wind you hear it so when the little child is found wrapped in swaddling clothes and they hear the wind they don't suspect that the wind that they hear is the voice of god calling one from the grave so he called me from the grave i was buried in the sepulchre of my skull and the wind came he breathed upon me and what a wind all was foretold me but while i'm playing the part i'm so lost in the part i cannot foresee it yet it was foretold me and the promise the end was foretold me he would give me a child and the child would signify my birth though i am old abraham was old he was a hundred years old and he was told you will now be exiled for four hundred years well four hundred is the numerical value of the last letter of the hebrew alphabet and the symbol of that last letter is a cross the letter is tau so while i wear the cross of flesh and travel through this world exiled from my true home to expand the power that is mine at the very end he will keep his promise exiled from my true home to expand the power that is mine at the very end he will keep his promise and give me the child <clears throat> and that will be my exit from the world of death and so i will come back having received his promise and before he takes off the garment the cross he will give me himself and that will be given to me in the form of his son he will give me his son david as my son before he calls me back i will have full consciousness of the fact that i and my father whom men call god are one when it gives it to me here in the world of shadows by giving me david as my son then he rips the whole thing so i will never occupy it again tears it from top to bottom this temple then he lifts me up in the form of a fiery fiery serpent then he seals the bargain which he made with himself by descending upon me in bodily form as a dove and smothers me with kisses that i will know he has kept his promise and is satisfied with the journey now that is at its end <clears throat> excuse me but although anyone who has it longs to depart to be one with that creative power from on high rather than below being worked on the need keeps one here still in the flesh so you can tell it and tell it to those who sent to hear it for everything is ordered there's nothing out of order not one person is here tonight that shouldn't be here not one person is missing not one what is being said this night this night had to be heard by those who heard it he sent you as he sent me not a thing is out of order as blake said in his risen state today do not be intimidated by the horrors of the world everything is ordered and correct and must fulfill its destiny in order to attain to attain perfection follow this course and you will receive from your own ego an even deeper perception of the eternal beauties of nature you will also receive an ever-increasing release from all that now seems to you so sad and terrible modern painting said to max beckham in a vision on this level it is who would deny it 
but believe me it is ordered everything is ordered everything is correct now when you hear it for the first time you resent it you resist it when i first met my old friend ab and ab was adamant about it and here only last wednesday opening up an old bible i wanted to get that interpretation against my modern interpretation and i went back to it and here among the leaves were two letters from ab undoubtedly i have another two or three dozen letters buried somewhere in other books where they are i don't know but here in rereading them he takes the word itself kabbalah and brings it down in its four in its four wonderful states and shows you what it really means you and i have been taught that it really means the unwritten mystery that which is the oral tradition carried forward from generation to generation orally the father tells the son and the son tells his son and so on to keep this great mystery alive for when he breaks it into its component parts in the hebraic tongue he shows you exactly how you arrive at the very name and takes all of the characters of scripture and they're all personifications of eternal states it was a habit of the hebrew to take every abstract idea every principle and personalize it so he starts off with the great father jacob the father of the twelve and chose these twelve as the grand twelve transparencies the twelve crystals the twelve stones that received the commandments and all these he called the numana and this is the numana and no command is ever given to the new uh, phenomena it's under compulsion oh it's not numana it's phenomena i was saying that wrong and no command is ever given to the phenomena it is under compulsion to do what it does all commands are given to god in the phenomena and then that is expressed in this world a phenomena but here you wouldn't think this orthodox rabbi for that's really what he was all of his life until the revelation came the visions came a strict jew and all that you would consider the orthodox jew to do concerning diet stress everything all the habits and he speaks today of the little child he couldn't have done it unless the same thing happened to him that happened to paul who was also a very strict orthodox jew but you can't resist the revelation when it happens no matter what you are before you have to go along with the tide after the revelation so he could come and say we are now yehuda the same because we are the knowers of the little child prior to that you are simply persecuting everyone everyone does because he was commanded to no blame that was from the order that was the order from above the part he had to play as it was written as the play was written and while he's on his way to persecute comes the revelation of the little child and from then on your entire course changes and you move in an entirely different direction so tonight to quote him again the creatures are not judged or condemned for the seeming wrongs they do the lord himself ordained all deeds and you move in an entirely different direction so tonight to quote him again the creatures are not judged or condemned for the seeming wrongs they do for the lord himself ordained all deeds and judged or condemned for the seeming wrongs they do for the lord himself ordained all deeds and the lord himself performs all that is performed and if there be evil i the lord alone am evil now let us go into the silence and just set our hope 
fully upon the grace that is coming to us at this revelation of jesus christ who must always be considered as a little child revelation of jesus christ who must always be considered as a little child all right there we have uh, neville goddard's lecture from 1965 titled the kabbalah thank you so much for joining me today and i will see you guys next time bye now